Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hello and thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily talk sports show. What an afternoon it was for Sheffield Wednesday at Wembley as they sealed promotion back to the championship. I spoke to match winner Josh Windass, captain Barry Bannon and the club owner Dafon Chansiri. Plus one year into Todd Bully's reign at Chelsea, he appoints his third man in charge, Maurizio Pochettino. I turn to my right, and you're walking in like a half-shot knife. And I say, a half-shot knife? And I'm, I'm out to you, how are you feeling? I'm knackered. <laughs> I'm absolutely knackered. Yeah. Why? What's, coming, what's well, been going on? Well, because I spent three hours carrying Sam Masterface and Martin Keown yesterday. <laughs> so I'm exhausted. Now, I know that not to be true, <laughs> because I met Sam up at Wembley, yeah. uh, Sheffield Wednesday against Barnsley, and he was saying how much he enjoyed it. I have to say... You and I, Mr. Jordan, can say good morning to new friends in Luton, Coventry, Carlisle, Stockport, Sheffield, Barnsley, because so many of them came over to me over the weekend and did nothing but compliments for you and me and this show, and I was thrilled by it, thrilled by it. Do you know what, Simon? The playoffs, I was at each of the three over the weekend and yesterday, there's something about them. I mean, they're irresistible entertainment. Oh, of they course really they are. are. They yeah, really of course are. And the supporters come from far and wide. Mm. Sheffield had about 50,000 there yesterday. Mm. It's incredible, the attraction of them. Oh, yeah. It's one of the great phenomenons of recent times in football in terms of developing a way to, uh, to engender such engagement because the playoffs, when they were brought in, I think 88, 89, something along those lines, have really done two things. They've crystallised an, an enormous event, certainly to get into the championship from the championship to the Premier League. That's also been transported down to each division, and they've also elongated seasons. Yeah. So it's a very clever um, scenario that was created there. And of course, when you get into a playoff final, you get to play at Wembley, and you get fans travelling all around the country to have this moment. Mm. It is something that only football does, I think as well as that well I was coming back in after Carlisle against Stockport on Saturday yeah. and Sheffield Wednesday fans were arriving yeah. in London and boarding the tube and heading up to Covent Garden to yeah. do a bit of well sightseeing I mean it isn't it isn't always 
the greatest of football that you get to see no. in these occasions because of the nature of the circumstances that put so much pressure. But what you do get is great drama. Yeah, It would have been interesting because I was watching the Sheffield Wednesday-Barnsley game yesterday thinking, this. I thought it was going to go to penalties. Um, and, you know, yeah. that would have been the first time that all three playoffs had gone to penalties, wouldn't it? Now, I don't know what that tells you, but what it does tell you is if, if they've all gone to penalties, there's phenomenal intrigue attached to it and such pressure and jeopardy. But what a, what a goal from Josh Windes, who's a... A lovely lad. His dad, Great lad. His dad, Dean, is a friend of my Michelle's because they both come from the Hull area, don't they? Mm. And um, what an outcome. Felt a bit sorry for Barnsley, but... You've got friends in Hull, have you? I don't think I've got friends anywhere, but I lay claims <laughs> to association to have friends. <laughs> you have plenty of chums over the weekend and they were all at Wembley, I can assure you. Um, so there we are. What a story it is. Sheffield Wednesday, 95 points in the league. A remarkable semi-final... 96 points in the league, I should say. A remarkable semi-final comeback. Of course, we're four down, remember, to Peterborough and came back. Uh, is it deserved redemption for Darren Moore? Darren Meir, Darren Meir, Darren Moher spoke about the very achievement of promotion. You know, since I've come here, it's just managing that expectation, but the expectation to be embraced, and and that's what we did. We embraced it, but I always knew that, you know, to get it going, it was never going to be about Darren Moore moving it forward. It was about bringing everybody together, and it's what I've tried to set off from day one when we got relegated at the championship. I said the work starts now in fixing and mending the football club. Uh, inside and outside the football club and today um, that's gone a large step out towards that what we have to do as a football club is learn what we've what happened in the past and as a group and as a football club look to move forward and, and that's our intention you know he's a he's a quiet unsung hero Darren Moore isn't he Simon he just yeah. goes about it very yeah. quietly but very effectively yes I mean you know he's done the job that he was brought in to do I know there was a considerable amount of pressure likely to be on him yesterday um, because I think people were forecasting that if he didn't get this side promoted, yeah. that there was a certain inevitability about losing his job. Um, there was two sides to that argument. If you're starting the season with somebody telling you what precisely do you need to get promoted, and they give you all that and you don't achieve it, then there's that side of the argument. And then there's the other side of the argument, getting 96 points and finishing third. Um would be a harsh reality yeah. of losing your job. But again, you have to balance both up. But he doesn't have that problem now, does he? He's gone through the playoffs um, and they're back in the championship. You know, it's, it's strange to think of Sheffield Wednesday celebrating being back in the championship when you think of them as a far bigger club and ultimately, in your mind's eye, um, albeit not for some time now, that they're a Premier League outfit. No, you're right. But you're it right. is what it is. They've yes. got to go through the gears again, haven't they? But, well, they have to, Simon. I mean, the support, I, I know I'm going on about it, the yeah. support yesterday was absolutely breathtaking. Um, one, one key moment, when Barnsley went down to 10 men, uh, 48th minute, you know, Adam Phillips sent off for a straight red. Now, you don't want to see uh, a, a team weakened uh, in no. any shape or form, and they were, but they rallied well, Barnsley. And then there was a whole debate about was it or wasn't it a red card? I think it was. So do you, I. You, you watched it, right? Yeah, I absolutely. think it was. Yep. The chat among some of the Sky guys was like, ooh, well, that's harsh. But no, I, I think when you see it again, you see it from a few angles. He had to go. It's one yeah, of those moments. Uh, yeah, well, I think so. I think it's harsh because it's a playoff. Um, final yeah. and all that goes with it and the ramifications of it. Should that come it. into it? Well, of course, uh, it no, 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 what no, game no, it is. no. The referees have got to play the game, not the occasion. Tragically, in a situation in the same way that I think it was at Kevin Radcliffe that got sent off for Everton in the cup final. Was it Kevin Radcliffe? I think it was mm. against Manchester United all those years ago. These are the circumstances that manifest themselves. You cannot suggest that a red card offence in a league game subsequently doesn't become a red card offence in a game 
that's ultimately a final of a season. It is what it is. It carries yes. the same tariff and yeah. the same consequence. Obviously, Barnsley dug in and and showed great grit and cut courage and fortitude. Um, and it's just, you know, obviously when you score a goal in the 90 or the, what was it, 122nd minute, <laughs> yes. you know, you're in that situation where you can't imagine what one side is feeling. Yeah, and consequently and conversely what the other side is feeling well if anyone had any money on every one of the playoffs over the, the, the weekend going to penalties yesterday yeah. they, they must have thought I'm going to do it it was 100 yeah. to 1 mm. for all three to go to uh, penalties and it almost did yesterday but it didn't I was very pleased for Josh Windus he's a very nice lad a very yeah. sensible lad um, and they, I think he was very blunt in his post-match interviews about the quality of the experience of well, the game that's a not- good point you make Sammy because I spoke to him in the tunnel afterwards the other side of this break you're going to hear that and uh, as you rightly say um, he, he's said sorry about that we've just served up a load of old tosh for 120 <laughs> minutes and yeah. yet we've won Simon at the end of it and you, you've been in a situation like that before in this huge suite afterwards where there were directors of Sheffield Wednesday and directors of Barnsley there were those who were celebrating of course and those who were uh, e- extremely downbeat you know who's who because Sheffield won it yeah. and, uh, and Barnsley did not and then a man standing on his own Standing on his own, very quietly, uh, this very softly spoken Thai owner of Sheffield Wednesday, Daifon Chansiri. So I approached him and we had a chat. And I said, what did you make of the whole thing this afternoon? Yes, it's uh, very good. It's, uh, I'm happy and we have a massive friends. We have a, yeah, a good fan base and we're happy with this. Every Sheffield Wednesday fan in the world was here today, I think. Yeah, I believe that. And maybe uh, another fan from another cup because of last Thursday, we break the record. So many people want to watch what happened today. Do you have big plans for this football club? This is a huge football club, isn't it? It's It's got a huge history. Yes. Actually, we already planned at the end of season what Ever League we, we are. We already planned both, both leagues anyway. So what are the plans for the championship? Yeah, we, are, we, we try to go for it. Yeah. So you're going to invest in the club? Are you going to improve Hillsborough? Because a lot has to be done to the stadium, right? Because uh, this is an old stadium, it's uh, quite difficult to improve, right? Normally we improve every year as well, but it's not the, the big one. Like this, this year we also have a, a new front line. This year we also have a new system for kiosk. We do a lot of things, right? Yeah, we do a lot of things. So you are totally committed to Sheffield Wednesday as the owner and you're going to invest? I, I do my best. Like, like I mentioned all the time since I'm here, I will do my best, yeah. He's going to do his best. What he did say time and again, Simon, was we're going to go for it. We're going to go for it. What a ghastly little journalist you are. The Go first on. question you ask him is, is he going to improve the stadium? He can't bask in the reflective glory of gotten out of League One into the Championship. You're on him. You're in the gang now that are probably sneering at Luton going up saying they haven't got a stadium fit for the Premier League. Well, what I was, a question, I was Jimbo. Chasing, I was chasing Gary Sweet through the uh, uh, the uh, director's suite on, on Saturday asking him exactly that. <laughs> I mean, they've got a windfall of money, Simon. It depends what they do with it. Who? But certainly, Sheffield Wednesday or Luton? 
Well, you know, well, Luton both, but particularly Luton. Luton yes, of course. Luton have got an enormous yes, amount of, of money now. And of course, Chan Siu, Sheffield Wednesday can only get richer as a result of going up. But the, as he said there, Hillsborough's enormous and there are various but areas the, that they must but improve. But the biggest step up, actually, is from League One to the Championship because the material benefits are not there. You step out of the, the Championship into the Premier League, you get another 100 million quid. Yeah. You step up from the League One to the Championship, you get about four and a half million quid extra. And with that comes a significant increase in the wages. So actually, the championship comes with a poison chalice attached to it you've got to be in it because it's the gateway to the Premier League Mm. but he's had a rocky road this owner because there's been lots of observations about his ownership and it's always one of these football clubs Sheffield Wednesday it's always perplexed me because when we used to play them they used to have this antiquated boardroom with this antiquated (laughs) mentality and they were always the ones in the Football League meetings that were dragging it into places of absolute minute drivel Did you get chucked out of that boardroom because you didn't have a tie on? No that was Tottenham's boardroom Oh that was Tottenham Um, But I didn't No I got chucked out of Sheffield Wednesday as well But but you weren't allowed to bring certain people in the boardroom so if you wanted to bring uh, uh, your girlfriend and it wasn't allowed It was was sort of like a men's only zone and it was very antiquated and this club that's got this huge fan base and this huge opportunity with people and Dave Allen was involved in it and other people not the comedian but a, a well-known businessman over there and it always surprised me that they had this enormous fan base that he didn't galvanise it and this mm. guy has been on a, a, a strange journey because I think the fans have had difficulty with him in the past they don't think he's as connected with the football club or as financially well-heeled as they'd like him to be mm. But they're now back in the championship. Or he says we're going to go for it. He kept on saying we're going to go well, for it. They've you, got to. Well, They've got to get back to the Premier League. It depends what going for it looks like, doesn't it? I mean, going for it looks like being sensible in the acquisitions that you have, building on the momentum that you've got. He's got a decent manager that's got 96 points. There's no reason why Sheffield Wednesday cannot go through the gears, but they're going to need a bit yeah. more quality. Right, right, right. At that time, did you have a girlfriend when you were trying to go into these boardrooms? Yes, I did. Thank oh, you, you very did? much. Okay. I had a list of them. Oh, you had a list of them. Can you let them all in? They're all with me. Engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Good morning, everybody. 20 past 10 this Tuesday morning. I keep on thinking it's Monday because I wasn't on yesterday. This is Tuesday, May the 30th. Yes, some of us were working. Yeah, well, I... Holding up the end while not swanning around with the dignitaries at playoff finals. Well, I was doing a a lot of work there yesterday. You heard Mm. from Mr Chan Siri. You're going to hear from two of the Sheffield Wednesday heroes right now. Uh, Barry Bannon, of course, hugely popular with the supporters yesterday. Ran himself literally into the ground at Wembley yesterday. But son of Dean, Josh Windass, what a hero he proved to be in extra time. With the last move of the game, he headed in the winner. And I said to Josh afterwards, he, he was so exhausted he could hardly speak as how do you sum that up to be honest Jim we was absolutely shocking in that game um, yeah the performance was awful um, but somehow we managed to come up trumps and pull ourselves back from the dead again and yeah that's what we've seemed to do these last few weeks I mean surely in a day like this though Josh the result is much more important than the performance the result's all that matters yeah, in, isn't it in, in finals like you said it's all that matters is the result and luckily we came on top but I thought both teams didn't perform uh, no, no team showed up so yeah, to come here and get the get the winner is obviously lovely. Why do you think that was? You know, is it because it's Wembley? Is it because the big occasion? Did you freeze to a certain extent? Maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, obviously, the game plan we wanted to play didn't really come off. No, nothing happened. Um, our good players didn't get on the ball and, and create much. Obviously, me, Baz, um, Greg, and Smudge, we couldn't really get in the game. But as you say, we won, so it's what it is. What about that Sheffield Wednesday support? To be honest, I found it absolutely jaw-dropping, the numbers here today. The club's phenomenal. Um, you don't, obviously, you know I played for Rangers and you don't, you don't realise how big that club is until you go there and it's the same here. I just hope off the pitch with the structure of the club and 
behind the scenes and that we get it fully sorted now and, and this club can go to the uh, place where it should be. I think you, 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 it makes a, the Peterborough, the effort against Peterborough and that second leg all, all the more significant. Yeah, well, I'm the most selfish player in the world. I didn't score against Peterborough, so I'm buzzing. I'm more buzzing today because we scored. But no, that comeback was incredible. After uh, we should have won the league, to be honest, Jim. But uh, we we uh, slipped up and um, we come, we brought found ourselves here, which is where we didn't want to be. But who's what's better than winning at Wembley? You're dancing. He's proud of you. I know he's everywhere and he's loving it. Yeah, no, he's obviously he's proud and uh, as is the rest of my family. And yeah, it's a good day. Do you feel great because you've done it for a club with great history, great distinction in, in English football? Yeah, like you said, the club is a giant club, but it's not been acting like that for the last few years. We got relegated off a of points deduction, so we shouldn't even be in this league, but uh, the players have had to suffer for that, and luckily we've, we've got back up today, and hopefully the club can now push on and get to the levels it should be. This is the greatest moment in your career so far? Probably, yeah, but if my, my big ego would say getting out of League One wouldn't have been one of my targets a few years ago, but here you are, you've got to live in the present, and uh, hopefully I can go on to the next level now. I'm 29, so I want to push on now. Barry, congratulations. I mean, it was an epic effort, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, a grueling 120 minutes, especially after the 120 and penalties in the semi-final. To go and do it again today was um, in that heat was really hard, but we were never getting denied, especially after the, the comeback in the semi-final. We, were, we always believed and we weren't leaving Wembley today without the trophy. I don't think the fans were going to leave until they'd seen you cross the line, but did you have any doubts? No, not at all. You can't, um, can't doubt yourself in football. You've always got to believe. And we learned that the last game. Uh, we were 4 0 down. We turned it round. So we had big belief from that going into today. And even in that game, I know they had a few chances. We also had chances. But we weren't leaving Wembley today without the trophy, Jim. Um, I said to my family all week, people that have texted me, I've said, I'm not coming back without the trophy. This was a defining moment in my career and a big, big moment for me personally and the club as well. So we were leaving everything out there today to get what we wanted. This is a huge club, isn't it? And I think the owners get big plans now that you boys have done it. So, I mean, Sheffield Wednesday want to go places and you know what I'm going to say, you want to get back, you want to get to the Premier League if you can, if you can. But that's that's got to be the aim. No, of course, like you said, you touched on with a massive club. You can see that today with a folly in a League One final. Um, they turned out 45,000. You won't get that many places coming here. They could have sold out a bit more as well if they were given them. But um, we want to kick on. And you seen that with Sunderland um, last season. They beat us in the semis. Ended up getting promoted and hit the crossbar this season in the Championship. Similar-sized club here. So it's all about momentum and winning games. And we've spo- I've spoke to the gaffer already about next season on the pitch. And it's, he's, it's, he touched on it. Like, let's go next season. Momentum and we go again. So we're looking to enjoy this moment. But come out next season and challenge. Do you want to give a brief message to the fans who came here in such numbers? Just want to thank them again. They've, um, they surprised me when I came in the final 2016, yeah. but tonight was even better and we've won as well. So thanks very much again and you are massive for us. <laughs> Barry Bannon there and before him Josh Windass, two really good lads and of course in uh, the best possible mood uh, after Absolutely. what they just experienced. Absolutely. Two good lads with really good outlooks in life yeah, and, I think and so. in their careers as well. I think so. I think we know that Barry Bannon had opportunities to play, to continue playing at a slightly high level, but took the medicine of going down with Sheffield Wednesday and wanted to get them back. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for that. This is football at its best, so is like Luton going to the Premier League is the pyramid showing its very best version of itself, which makes English football so great. Mm. And then you've got Josh Windass, who I think is a really 
very sensible. I think he's a very good player as well. Technically, I think he's a very good player. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously he went to Rangers at an early stage in his career, but that was at a very different stage of Rangers' evolution, rebuilding back. But I think they're good players. I think they'll be good players in the Championship because the better the football, mm. the better those kind of players well, will look because I of the technical so. ability they've got. I think you're right, Simon. So Sheffield United in the Premier League, Sheffield Wednesday in the Championship. Yep. Is the Steel City on the rise once again in football terms, do you think? Um, well, it's certainly regaining its ground, isn't it, and its luster. I mean, we had a Yorkshire final, so we mustn't eliminate the equation for Barnsley because they've done remarkably well to get there. You know, they were obviously a couple of years ago they were challenging to get out of the championship with Valerie and Ishmael, weren't they? Yeah. Um, and so, with that in mind, you have to look at that particular region and say, well done to that. But of course, Sheffield United have done remarkably well. They've picked up the cudgel now because they've been for times, not in recent times, but in times gone past, in sort of Wednesday's shadow, mm. because Wednesday were in the Premier League, Trevor Francis was managing them to consecutive cup finals and whatever else, um, a long time ago now. But this is a big football um, part of the world. It's a absolute die-in-the-wall football town, Sheffield. And you go there, and I used to go there quite a lot because i got friends that live up there, and when we played up there, we'd always go up there and have a night out in Sheffield. It's a great football city, and... It's a nice part of the world to see doing well. Yes. You know, I'm glad that Wednesday are back in the championship. I'm sad for Barnsley. Because I've always liked Barnsley. Even, you know, back in the day when John Dennis was their chairman when I was around. Yeah. It was a nice football club with a nice attitude and a nice disposition. Well, it means so much to, to the players who played for the club as well. Mm. Neil Redfern and myself yeah, did, Redfern, did something yeah. pre-match alongside Des Walker. The two boys might be listening this morning. Thanks for, for what you did for us yesterday for the EFL. And Redfern speaks in glowing terms of Barnsley and the supporters. And the supporters, although outnumbered yesterday uh, by Sheffield Wednesday fans, were loud, they were noisy, Absolutely. and they were great. They were great. And they went home unhappy, but they still went home without any incident. Well, they've which always was great. it's a football club that so often, even to its days back in the early days of the Premier League, has punched above its weight. Yeah. Now, that's not being disrespectful, it's not being patronised, it's not looking down at smaller clubs, because I mm. think the teams like Barnsley, and as I say, Luton going into the Premier League, are what English football is about. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. 
So I think Chelsea timed it yesterday, Simon. Yeah, you guys were just off air. It was about five past ten past one when it was announced. We have a new manager. Maurizio Pochettino is officially confirmed as the new Chelsea manager. It's a two-year contract with the option of a further year. Answer me that before we go any further, Mr Jordan. Why is it that when he's offering out contracts out bullying the rest of them, uh, Mudrik, eight years or ten years or whatever the heck it is, um, massively long deals. Yet for Poch, a two-year deal. Maybe that's what Pochettino wanted. I mean, Graham Potter was a five-year deal, if memory serves me right. Yep, um, but maybe that's what Pochettino wanted. I mean, two years of an option for a third, whoever, who's, I don't know whose option it, it's on the side of, but it feels about right with modern-day management and the why, expectations. Why do you want a shorter contract? Because it gives them an opportunity to have fleet of footness, to be able to come out of a contract if they don't particularly enjoy working for Chelsea after two years. Um, these managers, why did Antonio Conte wait 18 months? Because the the, 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 the dynamics... Well, of, he didn't want Tottenham, but Pochettino wants Chelsea. Well, he did want Tottenham because he went there, but he wanted Tottenham on his terms, and Pochettino wants Chelsea, I suspect, on his terms too. So there's a balancing act to be had. I mean, I would have, I would have, I would have assumed that it was going to be a three-year contract from the outset. Yeah. So it probably is in all but guys because ultimately the option probably can be pickable quite easily. So let's just say it's a three-year contract. And in that time, it gives everybody a proper opportunity to have built a side, to have gone in the right direction. What it does is it gives everybody the opportunity to make sure that he's given a decent amount of time to make a good fist of it and not too much time that if he doesn't, you've got a problem with getting rid of him because it costs a lot of money to get him out the door. So I think that's probably the thinking. So in he comes, and um, when you look at it, I mean, almost unbelievably, uh, who would have thought it? Chelsea fin finished off the season. Goodbye, everybody. We're away for the summer in 12th position. They won 11 matches yep. in 38 games played. So even, I would have thought, any man in the street this morning you would approach would say, yeah, I could improve on that. So Pochettino will no doubt be asked improving it, but don't just improving it, improving it big time. Is this the best or the worst job in football to be walking into at this time? I would suggest it's probably about the best. I think so. I think it's a remarkable job. I mean, you've got a remarkable amount of opportunity. You've got a squad of players that have got significant talent that have massively underachieved because they've been mismanaged and allowed to develop an attitude which is not in keeping with the, the way that Chelsea should want to excel on the pitch. Everybody's had their moment in the sun in terms of learning things and, and adjusting to the nature of a new ownership. So yeah. that's now had, had, its, had its time. So I think he walks in. If he can get them to buy a centre-forward, which inevitably he will be able to do, I suspect then they're in a situation where it's like, oh, hang on a second, let's tell everybody we've got a Mini in there, when really they've got a Ferrari. They've got a Ferrari in there. And if Pochettino can't make this work, it's interesting, Pochettino comes out of PSG with one of the worst records that PSG have had as a manager for the last 10, 11 years. You know, he comes out with the lowest win record and people talk about Pochettino in a certain light. He did a great job at Tottenham for periods of time, but they never won anything. And here comes the observation that I repeatedly make, that he will not win the league with Chelsea. He'll get them better. But with due respect, I, I think most people would have got them better besides the people that they had in there recently. Well, they don't seem to go for winners, do they? The American ownership. In came Potter, but he's, he, he, he hadn't won anything. In comes Poch, he hasn't won anything. 
Well, he's workable. With their experiences, they've got they've tried to bring in Potter because they thought he was a progressive manager and thought that he would work within the framework of their management ideas and build and they'd be able to work with him. Because I can tell you, these guys are not easy to work with. Everybody thinks that they're the heroes and they're the solutions to all the problems, managers, but half the time they're the bleeding creators of the problems. Um, and with that in mind, you have to find someone that you can work with. Now, Pochettino, to my mind, put aside that ridiculous scenario where he's gazing at crystals in a bowl to get good spirits and all that sort of stuff. He got disappeared of his own backside with him was at Tottenham. Is somebody <laughs> one of those guys that can work with people? I think he's more easier to work with. And I think if Bowley has sat with these guys, given his experiences of the challenges he had with Tuchel and his attitude, which is probably manifesting itself again in Bayern Munich, because there's rumours going around about how long he's going to last there, Yeah, Martin Keown. Um, and so with that in mind, Pochettino gives Bowley a feel that he's been close to winning in previous incarnations. He's won something at PSG, which, quite frankly, my Aunt Matilda could win mm-hmm. something with. How is she? Well, she died 20 years ago, so sorry that shows how easy it is to win with PSG. I'm sorry about that. Um, but the point is, is that he he brings a, a, a feeling that Bowley will be able to work with his fella. And I think that's the part that makes sense. Yeah. And the other part about making them contenders, he will categorically achieve it. But if we're going down the we're not screwing it about route, right? Right, screwing about route, yeah. and we're going to win. Yeah. Then I maintain that Pochettino is not the answer to the question. It, you, you, but do we you will agree, see. Do you agree with Chelsea's statement that Poch is the exceptional candidate? His ethos, tactical approach, and commitment to development all made him the quote exceptional candidate. Well, that's assuming we know who else has been in the mix, right? We know that Nagelsmann might have been in the mix, but we also know that he comes with a series of baggage. He's 35 years of age. Mm -hmm. He's had his challenges in the German media with the way he operates. It's clear that he's had issues with the German hierarchy inside Bayern Munich with Oliver Kahn that created a situation that makes him... Excuse me, perhaps more difficult to work with. You okay? Yeah, sorry, mate. Um, and so with that in mind, I think Pochettino ticks a load of boxes. Yeah. He's been managing big-time players. He, Because of the nature of his personality, you can see he's quite a easy-on-the-ear, easy-on-the-eye sort of fella. There's nothing particularly spiky or controversial about him. So when he sat with Bowley, who's probably looking at the last 12 months, thinking, how much worse could I have possibly made this? How much more ridicule have I allowed myself to um, to enter into? How many decisions have I got wrong in footballing terms, but with the right reasons for doing them, but in the wrong footballing outcomes? Yeah. And then you sit with Pochettino, <clears throat> and you look at it and go, well, he he, to me... I think he's a very sensible appointment, and I can see why Bowley's made it. You think he's a very sensible well, appointment? I, I, no, I'm saying what Bowley would be thinking. Do you? I think it's okay. I'm not. I'm not a fully paid-up member of the Pochettino fan club. I'm not a. I don't worship at that particular pedestal and suggest that he's a wonderful manager. I think he's a good manager. I think he'll do a decent job for Chelsea. But again, the question has to be asked. What is a decent job? It was once upon a time a decent job at Chelsea was absolutely needing to win the big baubles. Mm. Now, if we're saying that a decent job at Chelsea looks like competing in the Champions League every single year for the next five years, then I don't think that was the original blueprint that Chelsea had and shouldn't be the blueprint that Bowley wants. And if you're going to spend no, £600 million pound on players, you shouldn't categorically want it. Players adore Pochettino. So they're on side with him and he's on side with them. So well, you're, not gonna, you're not going to have a fallout. As in, at no time are you going to hear they're not playing for him. Well, you need they to. They will play for him. And also, he got Tottenham to a Champions League final, albeit, and I know, we're sick of saying it, they didn't win it. And there's, but it was hardly a classic and there's final, arguments, but they didn't win it. That's they fine. got them there. And that's so, what fine. can he do with the resources given to him at Chelsea? And that's fine. Probably the same thing. Yeah. Because you've still got to manage different personalities. And he got them there, and it takes big boys to make big boys' decisions. So, what he does is in the Champions League final, he takes the form player out. 
Mora because he's got to manage Kane. Whereas Kane should have been on the bench and Moura should have been playing in that Champions League final because that was a decision that he had to make. He yeah, had to be ruthless. But as you would say, my, if my aunt was my uncle. But that's I mean, what but that's what you pay the top guys for. Yeah. Because you don't need my aunt as my uncle or if my, if my aunt was a bus, she'd have wheels on her. You don't need that. Right? <laughs> you just need yeah. you just need to have somebody that knows what to do at that moment. And mm. there's you cannot it's a gene. You cannot you, you cannot Create it in somebody. They either have the emo- that that ability to be able to decide what Mancini in the champion in the European Championship final knows what to do to outwit the unwitting Gareth Southgate. Yeah. Right. And in this instance, uh, Pochettino gets you to a certain point. He'll get you close. He'll get you the whiff of it. So what is he? An Argentinian Southgate? Is that what you're saying to me? No, 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 no. I'm just using Southgate as an example, concerning how managers think through the solutions. How much but will po- Daniel Levy hate it if Pochettino succeeds at Chelsea? Uh, as much as any Tottenham, him, as much as any Tottenham manager will dislike the fact that Chelsea will supersede what they're doing, because that's ha- what happens. If I think, if clear, if Daniel had wanted Pochettino back, and we can debate the vagaries and peculiarities of whether that's the right or wrong decision, he'd have got him back. What you think? That simple? Well, maybe Pochettino well, wanted well, to go back. Well, according to the media, oh, right. Pochettino wanted to go back to Tottenham. And you believe everything you read in the media? Well, I, for the purpose of this conversation, it suits my argument. So, in that instance, <laughs> right, if they wanted him back, if he, sorry, if he, if they wanted him back, they could have got him back. But I'm pretty sure that Daniel right. didn't want him back. So there you go, Paul Moscone and Daniel Levy. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation, outspoken with White and Jordan. Today marks one year since the sale of Chelsea to Todd Bowley's consortium. And now we hear in the last hour, Chelsea have appointed this man, Chris Juracek, as the new Chelsea chief executive. He's got a plum job. Who is he? Well, he's been working with uh, Todd Bowley and his Clear Lake Capital Company as operating executive. This is Bowley's private equity firm. So he knows this fella, but like so many who come in, what do they know? about English football? What did they know about the Premier League? What did they know about the workings of a Premier League club? And is he the right fit? What do you think? Further down the line, is this another individual who will come and go, as so many seem to do? Um, Look, I mean, we can make cases for arguments about people that we now applaud and laud. Mm. People talk about the Chelsea boardroom and they talk about what Marina did for years and how much that would have been a loss to Chelsea when she walked out the door. But she walked into the office 20 years ago and measured up the room for Roman Abramovich's desk because she was his secretary and then she becomes a football operator through experience. So with that in mind, I think we have to get context about what people may be able to bring to the equation. Of course, there's an element of acquired knowledge of course, the, the benefit of experience is something that you can never... You can't buy it, you can't borrow it, you can't pretend you've got it. You have to have it, right? Um, and with that in mind, Todd Bowley will have had a baptism of fire. He will have seen the landscape, he will have read about the way English football was held together, not believed it, sat in Premier League meetings, seen the reaction to the press to the decisions he's making, seen how the consequences of, of his actions, and he'll have been a quick study. Don't get in a position when you're head of a private equity firm that can facilitate the purchase of a football club for two and a half billion quid and not be in a situation where you can pivot, react, and learn lessons from the experiences that you've got. Nothing is wrong with making mistakes. It's all about not making the same mistakes again. Yeah, they and, were fairly spectacular mistakes, though. Well, like, you, here's the thing, you need a striker. Here's the thing, you spent a fortune, well, you, and you've got worse. You have to suggest that there are other people that were part of that equation as well, in terms of, I don't understand the thinking of coaches coming in and not suggesting that they must have a striker in the January transfer window as a matter of course, and that situation not being resolved. I mean, it, it does feel like there's a little bit of lunacy there 
it's like the you know the the, the deaf leading the blind in terms of outcomes that would no, make no sense to anybody because you're in a situation where people can't understand why the basic principles of a team that seems to be devoid of an ability to score a goal wouldn't buy a centre forward. We can all see it, yeah. and so can the coach, and so can the owner, and so can the recruitment staff. So as you know, I speak they're twelfth. That's mm. how they finished the season. They won it. That's I- gone. Irrelevant. It's gone. It's gone. Irrelevant. It's, it's irrelevant. Chelsea have had a bad season. They had a bad season six years ago. They came back and won the league. It's a bad season. It happens. It's but, hugely pertinent to the whole thing. No, it's not because the the only thing that worries Chelsea is the is, or, or wouldn't worry Chelsea is the, is the financial ramifications have got of it. We couldn't care less, Bowley. Couldn't care less about the financial ramifications of it. He spent six hundred million pound on players. They've learned a steep lesson. They've had a steep learning curve. Better to do it now and get it out of the way than continue to make mistakes. And now they'll move on on a on a base of okay, we've got a coach in that can take us to a level. We know that Pochettino can take them to a level. And we know that they're going to plug in the gaps around the side. There was always going to be a challenge. It was a year ago that, existentially, Chelsea was in jeopardy. So let's get context. I know, but let's Simon, not, come on. Let's there get so context. Much, when you and I met him in Qatar, you turned to me and you said, yeah, yeah, that was interesting. It would be very interesting to see the impact that this fellow makes on Chelsea and in English well, it's, football. It's, it's only interesting it's so far. It's been a mess. Well, it's only interesting so far is the fact that Todd Bowley will do things the way he wants to do things. He'll learn at his own pace. He'll make his own decisions because, at the, you know, it's, it's the money that he's put in the football club. Chelsea will undoubtedly get there. It is, it is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, but everybody's going to try and get there next season. Sure. They're, and they could be also runs again. And that's fine. But, I, you know, whilst my, my betting regime isn't particularly successful at this moment. No, time, you owe me a grand. I, I do. I do. Mm. Uh, and that will be resolved in all due time. For due charity. Course, in, for charity. But the charity is um, on to me. But the point is, is that I don't believe that Chelsea will continue in this situation. They finished 12th. Well, yeah, yeah. worse. Well, yes, they could. They could have got themselves relegated. And that would have been worse. And then then, then people could have had that particular... Well, that would have been a story, yeah. Yeah, but, it's, yeah. but it's, for, for, if you're Todd Bowley, in all seriousness, you're looking at this going, well, <laughs> wow, this was a lot of money to have spent to have achieved a, a, nothing particularly substantial. All the people that are waiting for me to do things in a different way and have the consequences of it. All the people that reported on my conversation in, in California about a playoff game. All the people that talk about the things that I talk about in a certain way and represent it in a certain way without giving it nuance and context will have a field day representing me as a completely clueless owner. That's you don't need nuance and context to realise you're 12th. No, you don't. And you've spent a fortune... But- to make yourselves worse. And that's worse. fine. But but that's fine. But worse than what? Worse than the t- side that wasn't going to be existing in a, years, a year ago. Worse than a situation that ultimately had far greater consequences to it. It's a moment in time. All right, it's a moment in time. So how do you look upon what he's done in the time he's been in? Well, I will... First and foremost, he's spent far too much money on players than I'd like to be seen spent. Because what that does is it gives ridiculous observations like Ten Hag cred- credibility when he pops up with his particular brand of drivel about how much money Man United should have spent yeah. or needed to have spent because they didn't go because they didn't go again in the January transfer window after spending two hundred and fifty million in the August window because they can compare left and go well look what these guys are doing over here they spend six hundred million pounds is that the new horror story that we've got to go to that's what I don't like Bowley for the idea that he can put players on longer term contracts well we'll see if that works out because if your recruitment policy is right and the culture and ethos of these players is right why would that be a problem they had Frank Lampard for how long they had um, they had uh, uh, John Terry for how long they've had other players at that club for how long so whilst I don't think he did it for that reason I think he did it for the reasons of being able to protect himself against a spend pattern that they wanted to have to build a base let us see once they get once you're they giving get... him a pass here you know that you're no, giving, I'm not him, giving a him a pass name me one positive that he's done since he's been in not a lot not a lot. What can you say? What can you say? I think the players have been a disgrace. 
I think the management has been poor. I think Frank Lampard not only diminished his own reputation, he wasted everybody else's time whilst he was there. So I think there's no wins. The only win will be is if Bowley has now looked at it and gone, okay, I need to do things slightly differently. I need Because if he'd have got half a win this year, if he'd have finished sixth in the league, he'd have had half a win. Or if he'd have got into Europe in some shape or form by making a hodgepodge of other people's inadequacies in the league, like the Liverpools of the, of the, of, of, that haven't done well this season, yeah. then he'd have gotten away with it. Because it's been so stark and so glaring, the challenges to the decisions that he's made, and I think he's made them for the right reason, and I think he's made them with the right agenda, but the wrong outcomes have come because they've not been steeped in the right balance of thinking. Now, I think your finds that the base that Pochettino comes in, because these players can't argue, they stunk the place out. There's no dispute here. There's no debate about who did what, when and why. Pochettino can come in and he can go through them like a dose of salts. He can get to the bottom line quick. He can get the group of players around him that he wants. He doesn't have the financial troubles of other football clubs where he's going to be having a resistance from the owner about buying players and trading players. They're going to trade players. They're going to clean it up. And I'm telling you, you're going to see a polished Chelsea come out next season. So, I mean, and not because I want it to be either, because I think there's a lot of things about Chelsea that I don't like. I don't like the £600 million spend. Who would like that? Who thinks that's great? Who thinks that's great for football? So he's going to have to move out players who, who bully and the others signed in long-term deals? Not necessarily. He's going to have to move out players that are no longer seen to be fit for purpose, whether you think that's Ruben Loftus-Cheek, whether you think it's Callum Hudson-Odoi, whether you think it's Mason Mount, whether you think that those players, because they're academy players, that will have a huge amount of impact on the balance sheet. If you sell Mason Mount for 50 million quid, you've made 50 million pound profit. If you do the same with Callum Hudson-Odoi, if you do the same with Loftus-Cheek, and all those players get out for 30, 25, 40 million quid, that's straightforward profit. There's no um, value to anybody else. There's no carrying value on their balance sheet because they're academy players. So they make decisions that will be based upon the economic returns if the players aren't deemed to be good enough. Yeah, but that's not brilliant business. They're doing it because well, they've made of it elsewhere. No, that's great business because those players have not seen, have not featured with the exception of Mason Mount. Do you think we're always planning to sell all their academy stars? Don't think so. No, but I think it's a, I think it's part and parcel of the situation that you have when you have a big football club and you produce lots of players coming through. In the ideal world, you get a balance between young players coming into the team that are from your academy, so it gives the fans something to relate to at the same time as proves the concept of youth development inside your football club for the right reasons, and then you balance it off with high-end players that are mm. supposed to perform at the high end. They've been forced into doing it. No, I don't They've think... They've been forced into selling the academy okay, because of the predicament they find themselves think, in. Think about it. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, has he done it... Has he really done it? No. Has, so then what are we talking about with Ruben? Has he been given the opportunity to do it? He's had plenty of opportunities. Has Mount? Well, Mount's done it. But the situation with Mount is that they don't want to pay him £250,000 a week. Whatever you think of that, whether you like it or you don't like it, whether Danny Murphy agrees with it or not, the, are the principles of that's how much he's asking for. There's obviously a, a particular situation surrounding that. Callum Hudson-Odoi. Thomas Tuchel was constantly berating Hudson-Odoi. People were saying on the sidelines, hang on a second, what's he doing with his kid? He's ruining him because he's berating him so much. So these are players that have, that have not effectively done it under a manager that other people want to lionise. So with that in mind, you've got to get the balance right. Now, have they spent 88... Was 105 million on Fernandes? Preposterous. Of course it was. The Portuguese had Bowley's pants down. They did the same at Brighton with Cucurella. And, you know, in terms of 60 million quid, and Man City wanted to pay 50. But these are all the lessons that... Having their pants pulled down, they do not make like made to look silly, and they don't... Yeah, at Palace. Because I'm trying to get to where Bowley is now. What was the most important thing you learned... Well, you learn, about, you, but you learn about the language of the industry that you're in. 
every industry has a unique language. The media has a language that's unique to itself. Every industry, commercial has a language that's relatable to the subject matter of the industry that you're in. And football has its own. And what you do is you begin to learn who is what, when and why. Who's valuable, who you should be listening to, who's there for their own reasons, who talks absolute nonsense, how the industry and the mythologies are held together. And you start to go, well, I get it more. You start to understand, not respect, you start to understand the, 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 the unique machinations of football and how it works because the media component part, the broadcasters, the establishment in terms of the... It's pol- all pretty predictable. You know what you're getting into. No, of course you don't. It's all pretty predictable. How the media works. No, no. The, the manner in which you interact with the media, the, the way the media works. Ah, right? Right? Yeah. And a forthright speaker. Right, which I was, I was like, bang, this is what I want. I want a team that's winning. What the media do goes, oh, interfering chairman, bully, know nothing, uh, flash, right? Well, I'm none of the above. I'm just very strong and I want my team to be such. You're so a you flash. Got, so you've got to learn that I wasn't. So you've got to learn that game. You've got to learn how to position yourself in a certain way because even more so now with social media, the world has changed around football. Then you've got the culture of players because you can't believe what you're listening to. You mm. cannot believe somebody's players' attitudes. You cannot understand how the agents work. You cannot understand that the very people that are supposed to be on your side are the very people that are against you. You're supposed to be fighting against the opposition, not your manager, not your players, not your own supporters. And those all come into a mix of a Venn diagram. You go, right, in the middle, now I understand better. I understand when to speak, when to be quiet, how I'm going to be represented. I understand how an agent works and what their motivations are because the agents will have you believe that they're doing things in a certain way when all ends are working against the middle. And all of those things are a steep learning curve. And once you've got your balance in the room, then you start saying, I don't want to be in a room anymore. I'm the money. I'm not walking into a room with another pl- with another football club or an agent to negotiate a deal. I want someone else to do that for me. Because if I do it, I'm the money in the room. I don't need to be the money in the room because I've got to say yes and no or walk out and consider it. If I'm the money, I haven't got to consider it because I'm the money. I've got to give yes or no. Whereas if I've got a chief executive in there, he can say, well, the the, the old man yeah. might let me give that, let me do that yeah. deal. I've got to go and refer to him. Yeah. So all of those things so it's good you come to the fore. need to fourth. be quiet a bit. Well, I think there's time to speak, isn't there? And that's the difference between a fool and someone that's not a fool, is they know when to speak and when to be quiet. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back tomorrow. (laughs) Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.